live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Hello and welcome to the show, Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. It is time for We Know Track and Field with our co-host, Gerald Richardson, and also Fred Rucker. I am Princess Cooper. Let me welcome in Coach Richardson. How are you, sir? Good, baby. Princess, how are you tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Coach Rucker, how are you? I'm doing fine. Looking forward to tonight's show. Looking forward to it, too. As I said to Coach Richardson, happy belated Valentine's and Super Bowl weekend and all of that. So um, (laughs) we're getting ready for the show now. Just wanted to get those out of the way. Coach Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And Coach Jarvis, welcome to the show. Thank you again. I think it's uh, pretty awesome. I'm I'm hoping I get to ask these guys some questions. I hope it's not going to all be towards uh, <laughs> Coach Brown and myself. <laughs> I think that would be cool if you turn the table and, and, and ask some uh, questions. So, Coach Mark Jarvis from Cherokee High School, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Coach Richardson and Coach Rucker, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Thank you again, Princess and uh, Coach Jarvis, Coach Brown. Once again, we are excited to have you on the show tonight, and I'm ex- especially excited because you guys are such remarkable coaches, and I want to uh, dig in and, and get a little bit about uh, what your secrets are and what your, kind of learn something a bit about what you guys do every year and every week and every day with your teams. Uh, Coach Rucker, you want to uh, welcome our guest before we get started? Yes. Uh, welcome to, to both of you, Coach Jarvis and Coach Brown. Uh, Coach Richardson, I think I shared this with you earlier in the week. Mr. Brown, uh, Mrs. Brown, Ms. Brown would pick at us sometimes that we would never invite her to certain things. Coach Jarvis joined us for for a luncheon, and she'd say, how come you never invited me? Well, we have That's her right. on now. That's right. I'm excited. That's why. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 but we're excited. I'm excited to have both of you on the show tonight. So, again, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Before we get too involved here tonight, uh, Coach Brown and Coach Jarvis, why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got started with coaching and how it started for you. We'll start with you, Coach Brown. Oh, wow. Um, I've been coaching since 2001. Um, I started um, under Eric Thompson with Winslow Track Club and when my son was running and they needed a 13, 14 girls coach. <clears throat> and it just kind of took off and went from there. Okay. And then I coach transitioned Jarvis? to middle school. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. And I started at the high school when um, – my age group, I kind of followed my age group girls up, and I started high school in 2008, 2009. Hey, Coach Brown, were you a uh, runner as well or just uh, coaching then? And that's about it. Um, I ran under Barry Jackson, actually, at Edgewood. Um, I ran 400 hurdles, 100 hurdles, and the 400. I'm a 1994 graduate of Edgewood. Very good. Coach Jarvis and yourself? Look at that. That's already some info I didn't know. I didn't know Coach Brown ran for Edgewood back in the day. 
Um, yeah, that's right. My music journey started uh, probably, I guess, in 1994-95. I was a GA, uh, graduate assistant coach at Liberty for a few years before I graduated and then transitioned into high school. I taught in Virginia and coached down there for three years before we moved back to New Jersey. And then uh, I started at Cherokee High School in the 2001-2002 school year, and I've been coaching three seasons for as long as I can remember. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your intros, and uh, we're going to dive right into this. If I just interrupt for a second, um, starting with Coach Brown, I never realized that she ran for Coach Jackson and at Edgewood and – Coach Brown, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that Coach Jackson and I used to teach, uh, used to coach together in Willingboro. And then for our audience, um, I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, and to let our audience know too, with Coach Jarvis, I remember when he was running in high school, and I actually coached against mm-hmm. him and his team. So I, I know him quite well. All right, I say we're all we're all good here. We're all family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I um yeah well, let's let's get right into the, the meat of this before we get you know too far ahead into this family affair. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk um, lately in sports about uh, team culture, family. Uh, do you have a what is your team culture? And if you do, are they like a family to you? We'll start with you, Coach Jarvis. Um, I'd say definitely a, a family. I mean, especially. Um, uh, more of a distance coach than anything else since I coach cross country, but um, I've certainly uh, filled in where needed in the, in the track realm of things. But uh, when you're just around me, I mean, when you get someone that's either with the program for basically all year or with the program for two of the three seasons of a high school career, um, that's a lot of time you're spending with some people. And um, we, we definitely, or I mean, I definitely like to try and foster, you know, that family environment. Um, and I think the good seasons and the good teams that I've have have had, uh, or have been fortunate enough to have, uh, that a couple times over the years, it's all come from that uh, family environment. Okay, so you have that that strong bond of a, of a family and culture that is uh, kind of contagious, if you will. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you guys can all attest to that. You know, you've had some, I've had some teams where um, you had bad leadership, and I don't want to say that it was leadership that I put into a position, but I at least know on the girls' side, as uh, people become seniors, uh, some take that leadership role even when it's not given to them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> those can be the the trying seasons, you know, the ones that kind of put you through your, through your limits of, of what you can do as a coach. But on the flip side of it, I've had uh, some seniors that have stepped up to that role that have just uh, made my job so much easier. That's awesome to hear that. Uh, coach Brown, uh, what are you, what's your take on that? Is, is your team, how do you build your team culture and is your, is your team culture almost like a family? Um, for me, because most of my girls come through my club, I have them from 11 on up to high school. So um, they quickly become like my children. 
and some of them you can't get rid of even after graduation. Um, <laughs> they, they, um, I try to foster them as a sisterhood for them to look out for each other because, um, you know, sometimes your team is all you have and you spend a lot of time with them. Um, like Coach Jarvis said, when you're together for a season, you see them more than you see some of your family members. So I do try to keep them as together as much as possible. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of team bonding activities that, you know, just to foster that, that relationship with each other. Okay. So can you go a little further into that uh, sisterhood fostering? Uh, like what kind of activities would you do or do you anything outside of track that fosters that, um, um, that sisterhood? Well, because they are age group friends, um, they grow up together. So a lot of things that they do, we go to haunted houses together. We, um, like next we're planning a camping trip. They'll come have pasta night at my house or movie night at my house. Um, or they'll get together on their own and do things for, with each other. As far as the team culture, I do try to have, um, for our incoming freshmen, sometimes we'll pick um, an upperclassman to be their buddy. So if there's an issue that they're having, whether it's the teacher or the class, if they're struggling in the hallways or whatever, they have someone that they can see that, um, that they can go to to help them out. That's pretty real. That's pretty good. Coach Rucker, you got questions for him? Yes. Um, actually, I'm writing down some of those suggestions. I, I think that's a pretty, some pretty nice ideas that I never thought about when I was coaching. But, Coach Jarvis, I, I want to ask you, because – I've experienced what you said too. How do you handle that tough team, or you got a couple tough kids that don't seem to uh, toe the line, for lack of a better description? You know, how do you try to get them to buy in to what you're trying to do? Um, I, I mean, I would say it's twofold. I mean, one, you're trying to get them to buy in, but at the same mm-hmm. time, if they're not buying in, you don't want to give them uh, any more credibility than. <laughs> than they think they have, you know? So I, 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 I know in the times where I've had uh, some senior, and I'm sure you guys have run into this problem. I mean, sometimes you get, uh, you know, it's not always the most talented person on your team that makes the best leader on the team. Um, I've had people Amen. that technically would be JV runners that have been some of the best captains that I've had. Um, but I've also had, you know, some of those individuals that might be super talented but maybe don't have the right work ethic and you know you can chime in with a bunch of other things that would be checks against them but when they get in a position uh where they think they are a leader i think you you need to make it evident that they're not <laughs> and that, that's a that's a rough thing to do especially with girls and, and you know what because I, I think it's tough with guys too because i've oh, had yeah. that happen yeah you know i've had it happen where a underclassman all of a sudden start is starting to improve and starting to do well and I've had some seniors that kind of resented that. And yeah. and at one time at a meet I was at two of my top guys get into a fight. <laughs> you, you know, because that junior was starting to excel as an athlete but more than anything else become a leader. And that was kind of a tough thing, and you know, we survived it, but it was kind of tough. And I, and I think the seniors that you had to adjust that, this young man, even though he was a junior, had some leadership ability. And then you as a coach, you, you know, you have to try to keep a, 
stay on top of that, and you have to be aware of it. And, and I think uh, not only myself but our coaching staff was aware of it, so we worked through it. And just to say this for the two of you, we have a lot of young coaches listening, so we're going to ask you for some advice and some knowledge. Just be prepared. Well, I, I think oh. just to, to piggyback on what you were saying, I think one of the things that I've I've done better as a coach recently is when you when you do have that good role model as a team or as with a person on a team, you need to pick some of those underclassmen that you think are eventually going to be filling those shoes and just like keep nudging them and saying like pay attention to what you know these people are doing and then have the conversations with those leaders because I've had conversations with uh, you know seniors that like they want to teach these younger girls the right things to do so I think when you get that that combination of things going on there's a responsibility to the individual that's a good leader to sort of you know, let the underclassmen know this is what you're going to be having to do next year. But then at the same token, there's a little responsibility on me as a coach to keep pointing that out. And, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to spot uh, the underclassmen that you think are going to rise to the occasion. And, like, to me, like being a leader, and I think I just saw this quote online because it was from Dean Smith, but it was like to be in a leadership position, you have to show that you care about everybody. And I've had talented people that didn't fill that role. You know, they were talented people that were more concerned with themselves than for the well-being of the whole team. And, you know, for some people that's the way they're brought up or raised or that's in their DNA. But, like, when you're trying to foster a full team environment and getting everybody to excel and move in the right direction, uh, you got to pick and choose your people wisely. <laughs> All right. So, I want I want to I want to stretch this out a little bit further and, and and go there go further a little bit with this and say you know we got that one athlete that can be a little bit of a, a nudge. Mm-hmm. How about the parents? You know we have some parents that you know try to disrupt the culture and try to disrupt the family. Uh, how do you deal with that, Coach Brown? When there is mm-hmm. a parent that yeah. does uh, cause some strife in your what you're trying to do with your program. Um, I I actually have been very fortunate to not have too many parental issues. Again, mostly because they know that I've had their kids in 11 years old. So they know me. So if there's a question, they can shoot me a text. It's never really been a, um, an issue. But what I also do um, is I do a ranking, you know. Um, athletes meet, I put in their results, and then I kind of rank them for event. So if there's ever a question as to why am I not in the four by two or why is this one running with me, it's because I can put top three, these are the top three. And you can, okay. everybody can see it. So there's never, like, you know, any, oh, you like this one more? Than, no. This is, this one thing about track and field is subjective. You can't lie. <laughs> Your times don't lie. <laughs> so this is what the times are. This is what it is. And if you fit it, then you can run. If not, then, you know, we got to figure something else out. Very well said. So that's Starfish. how we do it, yeah. Coach Starfish, you want to respond oh, to that? sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say, because I, I've, you know, I've had a few parents along the road that have uh, disrupted a few things. But I think you need to make your – if you make yourself known to all the parents, I mean, they're going to see through a lot of stuff. And um, yeah. that's one thing. Like, I mean, they know me. I, You know, I I try to talk to as many parents as I can as me to get to know them. Obviously, during uh, the cross-country season, we tend to have more pasta parties and, 
you know, like my whole family uh, would go to them with all my kids and my wife. And, uh, I mean, it's it's just an opportunity where parents get to see, hey, this guy's got a family. This guy cares about his family. He's obviously going to be caring about my daughter. And, um, you know, when you get when you get one of those parents that are either overly involved or, you know, whatever the case is, think their uh, daughter's better than they are. I mean, I'd agree with uh, what Coach Brown just said. I mean, we, we coach a sport that the clock doesn't lie. You know, the tape measure doesn't lie. So as good as some people want to think they are, if you can pull out a list and say, well, here's seven people on my team that are better than you, there's a reason why you're not, you know, running in said meet. And, um, I mean, that. I think that basically takes care of itself. And you just weather the storm, you know. <laughs> I know sometimes yeah, you're just yeah. like, this athlete's going to graduate eventually, keep my passion going. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Coach Rucker? Yeah, and it, it seems to me, Coach Richardson, in all the shows we've done, I'm going to use the phrase that a number of coaches had mentioned, they go with the eye test, too. They're, they're paying attention to what goes on. You know, at practice, at the meet, and when they have to make that decision sometimes, they, they it's a combination of many things where they make the decision. Uh-huh. And In my career, I didn't have too many problems with, with parents, but things have changed, you know, obviously now with technology and recordings and things. When I coached, we didn't even have a lot of those things available. But the one or two wait, times Coach I Rucker, had – Coach Rucker, you mean to tell me you didn't have TikTok at your practices? Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> TikTok. TikTok. Okay. TikTok. Yeah. We got to do a TikTok first before we do this lap, Coach. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what it is, but I remember parents asking me, you know, sometimes about a decision, and I explained to them, I watched with, with your son, because I coach, you know, guys majority of the time, you know, how they reacted at practice, how they competed in the meet. And, and then I also based it on uh, my gut feeling and experience. And I would oh, say to parents, you may not like or you may not agree with my final decision, but I'm basing it upon, you know, 15, 20 years of experience. And for yeah. the most part, I, I think I've, you know, made the right decisions. But I know I'm not perfect, so, you know, I do believe that, but. The eye test sees that all the coaches we've interviewed and talked to, that's a part of their decision-making process. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, so I, I know, Coach Jarvis, you say you coached three seasons, and Coach Brown, you probably dabble in three seasons, but definitely two seasons. Um, is it coaching indoor, is it a building season for you, or, or do you treat each season as a separate individually individual season? and try to get the most out of each three seasons, or do you build on one season to the next? Coach Brown, I'll start with you. Um, okay, so, yes, I do coach cross-country as well. We are not um, – how can I put this? We're not a cross-country team. You know, we are more of a hurdle-dominant team. However, my passion is to get them to be more competitive and to take cross-country serious because that training goal – translate into indoor so we can go harder, faster, and not have to worry about getting into shape. Um, so I do try to keep each season as its own entity, but indoor is definitely a building block for outdoor because you don't, I don't want them running their best track inside, and then by the time they cut the outdoor, they're burnt out. So I do try to um, 
keep the training and functions that they're peaking where they need to peak for indoor, but they're not at their at their top. That when they get out there, there's nothing left to get out of them. If that makes sense. Very well, Coach Jarvis. Yeah, I'd agree with the same thing. I mean, each season's kind of its own, and there's you know there's some special things that happen. I think during the indoor season, and I mean, you look at us; it's like state relays were super early, and it's like, are you trying to do something there? And then. Obviously, we had sectionals. We just finished, our, all of us just finished our state meets. We're gearing up for me to champions. Um, but I think from a training perspective, uh, it, and I'll speak distance-wise right now, um, you know, after hopefully a, a pretty long cross-country season, you're just trying to get back into base work and everything else and, and gear up to when the outdoor season is going to roll around. But at the same token, you know, if you're going through nationals, I mean, you're basically going up to almost your first dual meet. <laughs> you know, nationals yeah. are the middle of March, and the next thing you know, you're starting mm-hmm. track stuff again. So you have to you have to take things into perspective, and I think, you know, you almost have to look at it. Uh, I mean, sometimes from a team perspective, if your team's trying to accomplish something, but you also have to look at it from an in- individual's perspective because. If you've got, if you're fortunate to have somebody that is going to be able to make it all the way to meet a champions or compete at the national meet, uh, both indoors and outdoors, uh, there's certain things you have to be doing training-wise uh, over the course between, you know, December through <laughs> June. Like it, it changes. I think. Oh yeah. Drastically Definitely. from season to season. Yeah. And uh, Coach Walker, you want to add to that, or? No, I I agree with uh, both of them. Um, Again, Coach Rich, I think you and I have been very fortunate that we've seen these coaches do, you know, do their thing, and they've been very successful throughout their careers, and that's one of the reasons why I've always tried to pay attention to both of them, you know, to see how the teams compete because they're always well coached and they're well prepared, and that's a credit to the two of them, which – makes me think about a question that kind of goes back to the beginning of the show. Uh, Coach Jarvis and Coach Brown, and Coach Jarvis with you, do you have a uh, college coach or high school coach that uh, really inspired you or you learned a lot from? I'm just curious. I mean, for me, it's both. I I was fortunate enough to have a high school coach that was my cross-country coach and then distance coach off and on uh, with track. He didn't uh, coach indoor season but he coached the outdoor season for two of my, two of my years in high school. And, um, like, he – to me, he just lit the fire under my, under me about track and field. I mean, he took us to college – I mean, we used to go up to the indoor IC4A meet that was at Princeton. I mean, I went to that three years I was in high school. And at that time, like, I didn't know the people I was watching running. You know, it's like uh, there's Georgetown and Arkansas and – <laughs> you know, there's Star and Falcon and guys that I kind of knew but didn't really know and saw some epic things that I probably didn't even comprehend in high school. But he took us over to distance night at Penn Relays. I mean, this was all stuff jumping in his in his car and him driving us there. And that really gave me the bug of like, hey, I wanna, this is something that I want to get involved in. And then that pushed me to go on to college. And then – my college coach is really the one that I think really fostered me into becoming a coach. Cause when I was running, when I first was running in college, I didn't pick, I was like, 
I didn't picture myself like, oh, one day I'm going to coach. Um, but he was kind of uh, an, an I mean, he had a engineering degree, a biomechanical engineering degree. His his uh, PhD paper was on the biomechanics of um, basically pelvic tilt on <laughs> on sprinters. But the the way he approached practice and things of that nature just really intrigued me because like everything was like we were constantly recording everything. He was looking at the well, what's the reasons why to all this stuff. It wasn't just we were going out and doing workouts, but I mean I've got booklets of all the workouts I did in college and when I first became a graduate assistant there, that was my main job. Like we'd go out and do workouts and then I was the one typing them in that that they went into the books and everything else. And I think it was at that time that I was like, yeah, I think I could do this. That's interesting. Very interesting. I'd also say being around great coaches like you, I mean, I can remember, I I know I've shared this story before, but I think it was was either my junior or senior year, I worked a summer job, and uh, Coach Ruck, Coach Matthews, and I forget the other, who was the other coach that they happened to be working at the same school during the summer doing some painting and I would eat lunch with them sometimes and like here I'm in here I'm like this high school kid or just graduated high school kid sitting with these to me like track legends I mean these guys coached at Willingboro and it was like whoa and I don't even know if I knew who I was sitting like I don't know at that time if I knew how much knowledge I was eating lunch with but uh just even I can just remember things like that that was that are pretty special. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Coach Brown, you have uh, a couple coaches or that inspired you? Or yeah. you could, uh, um, growing up, I ran summer track, and uh, my summer track coach kind of made me hate the sport, honestly, <laughs> um, just because <laughs> how they were. And then when I got to high school and um, – I ran under Mr. Bates and mm-hmm. Mr. Jackson, and they showed how they loved us. They were hard, don't get me wrong. They were definitely hard, but it was a different kind of hard. And I fell in love with track and field. And um, I, you know, I still obviously talk to Mr. Bates very often, and Mr. Jackson, you know, we still work together now. And um, I want to emulate, I've always wanted to emulate what they instilled into me with my girls, you know, um, never calling anybody fat, never making them feel bad about themselves, just always coming from a place of care and concern no matter what the issue is, you know, even if they're struggling with, you know, like how do we fix this, how do we make this better instead of berating them to make them feel bad about themselves. And then um, the once Coach Horn and I got together in 2010, I learned so much from him. Um, mm. he, was just, he was my best teacher. You know, working under him, directly with him, he was my best teacher, mm-hmm. 100%. That's, all, that's <clears throat> amazing. I, I can, I can um, attest to that as well. When I first moved to New Jersey, uh, my first head coach for for sport was football was Ty Belfort, but he was such a, a motivator um, that he made you fall in love with the sport. But as far as mm-hmm. track and field goes, Coach Corson, um, Coach Rucker's buddy and my buddy, mm-hmm. he was the guy who who really showed me how to develop a team. 
and 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 show the caring that that it took to make sure that each kid got exactly what they needed, uh, whether it be, you know, a, a joke of the day or or something silly they did, and and just make make them feel like they were special for that moment in time, uh, and that goes a long way with the, with the kids, and it goes a long way with making a team better as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to I want to ask you guys this question. I know both of you coach girls. Uh, have you ever coached boys? And if you did, why do you continue to coach girls? Which do you prefer? <laughs> I'll start with you, Coach. Let's coach Brown. <laughs> um, I've never coached boys in high school. I have coached boys in age group. I prefer girls. Um, okay. <laughs> young boys, eleven to fourteen, are hard-headed, they don't listen, and it's everything's a game, and I just don't have the patience to deal with boys at that age group. Now, high school boys are different because, for the most part, they're, they want to learn. They want to soak it up, but um, I, I don't know boys' times. I know girls' times, so for me, okay. coaching older mm-hmm. boys, it's like, oh, okay, you want to run a 50-point. Now, what I got to have, you know, all the math for boys' track is a whole lot different than girls' track. So, I just, right. you know, my comfort zone is girls, and, you know, I know them. I can deal with all their girl issues. Boy issues are different. Um, I've never <laughs> been a boy, so I don't can't deal with it. Uh-huh. But girl issues, I know hand in hand, so I can get you through whatever girl breakup, whatever it is, I can get you through it. <laughs> boys, you know, yeah, can't. I can't do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Coach y'all, Charles, y'all are a different demon, okay? You boys are a different demon. Coach Jarvis, what's your take on that? Um, I actually did coach guys. So when I coached in Virginia, our uh, cross-country and track and field programs were combined. So I was the head boys and girls cross-country coach, and then I was an assistant indoor and outdoor coach and uh, primarily just worked with the sprinters. I was towards the end of my collegiate career I was more of a 400 meter runner so I was working with uh, the middle distance on down at that school and when I moved back to New Jersey I actually coached girls I was an assistant girls cross country assistant indoor track girls and then I was an outdoor boys assistant my first year and we kind of had a somewhat combined program so I kind of worked with the sprinters of the guys in the girls team but it was a complete flip-flop. When I was in Virginia, um, the boys' program was more bought in with everything we were doing. And we had some good girls, but uh, just as a program in general, there was a lot of them that were out there to either meet guys or just it was a place to go. And it was like the flip-flop when I got here. When I when I started coaching at Cherokee, uh, the girls that I – was coaching at the time the the sprinters were just bought in wanted to be serious about everything and not that the guys weren't but uh to me it it bothered me more in the spring i guess because like and you guys would know this because there were typically more girl meets here guy meets here and i even think back then our dual meets were split like the guys had a dual meet at home and ours the girls was away so right. all these girls that I was training, I never got to see them race. <laughs> and uh, when I mean, I don't want to say it was uh, happenstance, but by opportunities that just opened up, all the head position on the girls opened up for both seasons, and it just to me it made the most sense at the time. And your preferences? 
Um, <laughs> I mean, right now, obviously, coaching girls. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a preference either way, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this. I mean, when when you've got people that want to be good and uh, want to put the work in, and you, and I'm, I wouldn't even say if it's being good, but when you see people do things that they don't think they can do, that's what makes coaching this sport exciting, whether it's a guy or a girl that does that. So when you see right. somebody, uh, I mean, just this past weekend, I had a girl break five minutes in the mile that – I've been telling is going to do that, and I think she kind of knew it, but wasn't in the right race, and then finally did it at the state meet, and uh, it, it's pretty awesome to to just be a part of that. Right. Yeah. Coach Rucker. Yeah, I, I got another question. Since we're still talking about coaches, for the two of you, how important is it that you have good assistant coaches? Um, Coach Jarvis, you mentioned your background is basically different. Coach Brown, you said, you know, your background is basically suspension hurdles. Well, how do you fill in for the other sports, you know, pole vault, the jumps, uh, the field events? How important is it to get good assistance? And how do you choose uh, your assistant? Um, i Coach Brown go first. <laughs> for me, having um, a good assistant is crucial because you just can't be everywhere. But you also mm-hmm. don't want to have people that don't know what they're doing with them because then that can be more hassle than it's worth because then you still have to go behind them and fix things. So um, I've got to go by what I know as far as if I'm going to have an assistant, I know them. I, I don't have, like, random people that I don't trust with my kids out there because I know that we all have the same goals. We're all out here for the same thing, and you know what you're saying. There's nothing worse than having somebody that's telling the kids, you know, one thing, and you're like, hey, that's not right. And then you have to go behind them and fix them. You never want to be the person to, like, you know, second-guess a coach. You don't want to second-guess your person that's with you. You want to be able to trust them and you're not, and when you're not there. Mm-hmm. But for, for my girls especially, they don't listen to anybody. So <laughs> really, <laughs> if I'm not there, I already know that it's going to be something. So my assistant coach is very good with them, and he knows that as well. He's like, Coach, if you're not here, you already know. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'll be there because they'll go crazy. But I mean, he's, um, Coach Arnett is great with them, and he works with our middle, our, our, you know, our middle distance girls. So he's been really help, phenomenal helping me develop that because, again, I don't have a middle distance background. So he's been mm-hmm. great with helping me develop that 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 portion of our team that we've been lacking. And, Coach Brown, I'd, I'd ask this. Like, what's the consistency with your coaches? Like, are they – have you had a lot of turnaround with assistant coaches, or has it been pretty consistent? Um, we've been pretty consistent. Um because I was the assistant under Coach Horn, and then when he stepped down in 2017, um, Coach Custis was my assistant for outdoor. But then when the boys program opened up, obviously he wanted to be head coach, so he transferred to the boys' side. And um, initially I had brought in Chantel Park or Chantel Green. Um, I know her because we ran together. I know she ran the high. And then um, Coach Arnett has been with me ever since then. And we're at three sports together. So we're cross-country, indoor, and outdoor together. So it's been, you know, with the girls, it's consistent voices. You know, it's, it's not this person in, this person's out. We're, you know, we're all there all year long. <laughs> we're all in the, in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, I know for yeah. myself, uh, I mean, the, to me, the consistency is the big thing. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, you you get some some years where it's like nobody at the school wants to, <laughs> I mean, you they post a coaching position uh, within the school, and it's like you just know there's nobody in the building that is either interested or – and you don't want someone that's just out there that wants to get a check. So I, w- I was I was pretty blessed when I first started coaching because I had I had two volunteer assistant coaches aside from my full staff that were at almost everything, and one guy was an engineer for uh, Boeing, and uh, the other guy uh, used to coach at Morristown. It was uh, Mike Meany. He coached when Mandy Rett was there, and like he he's a police officer in Evesham, but like he called me up out of the blue. I didn't know him, and he's like, hey. I'd, be interested in helping out and um you know i i had a group of people there that were pretty consistent for probably about eight eight to nine years and uh, when you have that going and then when it sort of goes away you're you know you feel like you're drawing you're drawing straws trying to get people to come out and help out and um i'm pretty fortunate now that I, i've got a group that i think are young enough that uh they're going to be around for a while um but i know that I I can just see different programs that it just seems like it's a revolving door of head coaches and assistant coaches. And I think that lack of consistency uh, is what leads to programs not being successful. So like I I would ask you, Ruck, like when you, when you were Willingboro back in the day and it's heyday, I mean, was the coaching staff pretty solid and consistent all those years or were there moving pieces in and out? Absolutely. And I think that was always one of the, um, pluses that kept the program, you know, being so uh, so tough and competitive because you did have coaching. And that's why I ask about the value of uh, assistant coaches because when I was an assistant coach, our head coach, Minori, let the coaches, you know, coach. And as what Coach Brown said, we knew that Coach Minori was the head coach, but we all agreed, you know, we had the same ideas basically. And yeah. I'm not saying that everybody agreed all the time, but it was a, a consistent program. Yes, and the kids knew that, too. That we're all working together for one goal. And it's important that you surround your, yourself with uh, good assistant coaches because one of the things that I realized, um, I'm a co- combination of both the two of you. I feel good about sprints and hurdles. I know a little bit about distance. But if you ask me to go to the field events, the jumps, I'm lost. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I know that. So, you know, you have to get people who know what they're doing or who are willing to learn. And I think that's – and I think – and when I talk about the two of you and your programs, you guys have been pretty good, and I think I know who some of your assistant coaches are. But I think that's the key because I have seen other teams that sometimes it's hard getting help. And when I was involved in, you know, administration, sometimes we used to – kind of call it, you're looking for a warm body, but if you don't have a, a good warm body, that's where you run into problems. Yep. You, you, you know, so that's why I, I think it's important that you have, because, because as a head coach, whatever, you, you just can't do it all by yourself. But I think the one, like if you were asking me, like what's one thing of advice that you would give uh, a younger head coach is, and I, I think this is something that I went through. I think when I first became the head coach, I was fortunate enough that 
when I was a grad assistant coach and still competing, I started doing the decathlon just for fun. Because at that point, I knew I wanted to coach uh, at some level, so I wanted to know more than just how to run a 400 because I feel like I had to know something, you know. So picked up all the events, not that I was good at all of them. But um, so when I first started, when I first got the head coaching position, I almost felt like I had to have a plan for everything. And, like, that's tiring. (laughs) I mean, you can't have your hand in every pot. You can obviously help out. And uh, with the with the new guys that I, I recently got, they've been with me, I guess, about uh, going on year five or year six. Um, but with the new guys that I've kind of gotten the program, I just I let them know up front. I was like, look, I'm putting you in charge of the sprints. I can show you what I've done in the past, but like I want this to be yours. And then I'll obviously critique him, uh, him or her, but I'll critique them at various points if I think they're doing something that they shouldn't be or, you know, but I, I obviously would never do that in front of athletes. Um, but I think that's, they got to have your trust and like they've got to learn and go through the the learning process as well. It can't just be something that like, well, this is what I say goes and this is what we have to be doing. Like I, I've, I've never thought that. So, and I think um, having them grow is a thing. And um, it sort of ties into, and I don't, I, I don't know if we can talk about this at some point, but uh, I like to have a lot of like autonomy in my program where the athletes have some say in what they're doing. Because I think if they have some say and they, uh, it just helps their goals and visions be a little more clear if they if they've got a part in it where it's not just well, Jarvis says I got to do this, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And there's and, and, there's and, different there's different avenues you can go about to to make it making it autonomous but uh, I look with the group that I have right now and it's like if I give them something to do if I'm not out there I know it's getting done <laughs> right and I think they're taking ownership in it and they're they're yep. they're taking ownership and when they take ownership uh, that means they really care number one number two makes your job a lot easier and um, thirdly they they want they want to be a student of that sport so mm-hmm. they're, they're asking the questions. You're having conversations with them about different training and different uh, methods of why you're doing things the way you do it. And where I saw this on YouTube or this coach did it this way. So that, you know, those conversations are, are great to have. I've had those conversations with several of my athletes before in the past as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you kind of, you got to have, you know, consistency in your program. And I, you know, I've, I've gone through a, a, a cycle now where, I haven't had the consistency with my assistant coaches, and it shows up in your program because, you know, you try to do everything and you try to make sure everything is covered, and it wears you out, like you said. It's tiring, and you, you don't want to do anything after practice but go to sleep. So uh, when you had, when I had the consistency, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of it – it was, it was fun going to meets, fun going to practice, and the kids were getting a lot out of it as well too. I, I got another question, uh, Coach Richardson, for the coaches. Sometimes, and Coach, you and I are veteran coaches as well as Coach Jarvis and Coach Brown. But coaches, I, I'm just curious. The two of you have had successful careers. Your teams have done some of, you know, outstanding, outstanding things over the years. You guys have gone to national meets. You perform well at national meets. Can you think of um, two things? It's a two-part question. 
Can you think of a meet that you're very happy with the performance? Or, and can you think of a, a meet where something just went wrong and you were really hoping to, to do better, but it just didn't go the way you wanted? I don't know which one of you want to go first, but a very oh. good. <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question. I'll give you one for, uh, for me real quick, and then maybe it'll help. Um, I can't think of any one thing in terms of real, really, really good. You know, it's nice when a state championship, things like that. But I'll tell you one meet that it still gets to me to this day. This goes back to 1982. We're running the 4x1 at the 10 relays. We had run real fast at Woodbury. We go to the Friday trials. We make it to the finals against the Jamaicans. We're winning for three legs and the four by one. Exchange three to four. We didn't hit it on, on the first, you know, the first time. We finally hit it on the second time, and then we lost. I still see that race in my mind. <laughs> four years for now. And all I could do is laugh about it. But it's something that I, I still think about. And you can call it what you want, but I'll never forget that race. And, and the kids, when I talk to my kids about it, we, we still talk about it and we laugh about it, you know. But that's one that I'll never forget. So I don't know if that helps, but can you think of uh, something you know, pretty good and something that didn't go the way you'd want or you were hoping for better uh, better result? Just curious. Jarvis, you want this one? You want this uh, one Jarvis? <laughs> I mean, I could do the – I mean – one kind of like uh, extended weekend that just sticks out in my head. So like I had one a couple of years ago, I had one like full year that I couldn't have asked for anything better. I mean, <laughs> cross country went phenomenal. Indoor track went phenomenal. Outdoor track went phenomenal. And like, I'm, I'm sure you guys can attest to this. You, you may have had like a year that you thought, man, nothing's ever going to top this. And then suddenly you have one of these years where it tops that year. And that was that year for me. But uh, the thing that jumps out for me about 2021, 2022 is we went to indoor nationals, and that's when they were at they were split between uh, the Armory in New York and uh, Ocean Breeze in Staten Island. So New Balance was at the Armory, Ocean Breeze, Nike was at Ocean Breeze. So we basically went Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where we ran. Um, I'm trying to remember the order we ran stuff in now. I think we ran the sprint medley. Or, yeah, the sprint medley was Friday at the Armory. Then we went to Ocean Breeze and ran a distance medley. And then we went back to the Armory and ran a 4 by 8 And all three races were school records. And like, uh, if you had asked me going into that meet, like, how do you think you're going to perform? You know, it's like, like anything. When, you, when you've got athletes performing at a certain level, you know, you're not always going to have your best race or anything like that. But, like, I, I left that weekend just thinking, I can't believe what they just did. It was just mind-blowing to me. And if yeah. I had to pick a race that didn't go the way I wanted it to go, I might I might actually pick a coaching moment that didn't go the way I think it should have went. And this is something I think about a lot. This was early on in my career. I don't. I can't remember the exact – uh, year, uh, Rich might be able to remember this. Do you remember? I mean, this is going back, but we had state relays at the at Jersey City one year, and yep. um, we were running a four by eight, 
And earlier that year, we had run a pretty fast time up in New York. I think we ran like 940 or something like that, which I think at our time was probably our indoor school record. So we're running at state relays. I think we were the number one seed, but I was pretty sure, like, you know, at state relays, there's teams that haven't run fully loaded yet and everything else, and I was missing one, if not two, of my legs. And there was a girl I had assembled a team that I was going to put on there and someone that was in um, the distance medley that I wasn't planning on doubling, uh, I decided at the last minute to double her and pulled someone out of the 4 by 8 that was supposed to run that wound up not running at, a, at state relays. And I can, not that day, but certainly at the end of that season, that was something where I was like, I couldn't believe I did. Like, in the moment, I thought it was the best thing to do because we were assembling the best team. But in <laughs> hindsight, if I told somebody that they were on a relay and and took them off, not like, I shouldn't have done that. And that's one of those yeah. one of those opportunities I wish I had back. But Yeah. Was that uh, 2008 up at a... Uh, yeah, it probably was. Yeah, Jersey City right. Armory. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, Coach Brown, Brown, I know you got. I know you got a story. <laughs> um, I think two memorable moments was uh, 2013 indoor nationals when the shuttle hurdle team um, became national champions, and you know they because of the Toy Robinson and today Woods, uh, Gabrielle Bennett and Shaquille Higgs, they worked hard that year. You know, Tori came off of the femur break. Her, you know, her freshman year, so her sophomore year was a little iffy. So her getting, you know, watching that moment for her, knowing that she was moments away from getting her leg amputated and they told her she'll never run again and then become a national champion was something that, you know, that was just was a, a God moment right there. Um, right. Another moment, um, Tobias, when she did the 19-11 and a half, the long jump, um, her junior year, when she hit it, you know, I had my eyes closed because I never watched. And I heard it on the board, and I looked at her in the air. And I'm like, oh, my God, what was that? And the official, she said, we're going to measure. I think it's the record. And I looked at her, and we just burst into tears right there at the pit. And I was because she wanted it. And that was something that she went for. And you heard it at the takeoff. Um, so that, those two moments stand out for me. I mean, we had a lot of great moments, but those two moments were emotional for whatever reason, mm-hmm. for me and their and those those athletes' lives, um, moments, coaching moments that have not gone like I know they should. Um, for whatever reason, after the pandemic, and I can only associate it with my kids not being under strong leadership since COVID. Like prior to COVID, we had very strong leadership, and then that outdoor season got canceled. So my freshman never really got the chance to run outdoor under Nyla Perry, mm. Janiah Hammond, to know what those workouts look like. So mm. then we go into COVID, you know, we right. don't have, you know, there's no track season, you know. So then we get back and we have COVID kids now, and that's why I call them the COVID kids. We have the COVID weight, the COVID brain, you know, oh, my God, this workout is hard. This is too much. And it's like, okay, what am I doing wrong because it's not translating. And then, um, you know, my kids up until this point were always gamers when it comes to state. And um, this, this year was 21, 21. You know, 21, it was raining the first day of state. And 
we went from should win to that Friday getting off the bus and come talking, and my girls think they're going to melt and because the rain is touching them. And it blew the first day. <laughs> first day was blown. And I'm like, are you kidding? It's, it's water. Everybody is wet. It's, you're not going to melt away. And they literally, you know, once was in the hundreds, came in fourth. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, what is happening? You know, and they tried to recoup the next day, but it was already blown from the day before. And that has been um, – the last few years, that has been our struggle. You know, we shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to the big things of not performing where we know we should. And, you know, as a coach, it's frustrating because I know you're prepared. I know what we do. And then we get out here and it's like we don't remember anything. We don't remember how to do a handoff. We don't remember how to hit run a hurdle. We fall apart in the big moment. So those are things that um, – you know, they're trying to get a sports psychologist to come in and talk them through their anxiety, you know, just trying to find different ways to try to motivate them. But I can say that this year um, my underclassmen have stepped up and they don't have those angst. And I, they're no longer COVID kids. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're ready for the challenge. That's great. That's a good story. That's good stuff. <laughs> I, I meant to say this one too, and I I, I don't know if, if Rich talks about this or or not, but – in 2012, uh, we had a dual meet against Lenape that I still talk to kids about this day. Um, and Rich probably has a little different perspective because uh, he lost the meet. Not that I'm bringing it up for that reason. But the reason I bring up this dual meet is this dual meet had marks that were just ridiculous in every event. And when I talk to kids and say, Somebody ran 217 and didn't place in the 800. They're like, wait, what? And that, that was sort of the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, you had great athletes on that team. I was fortunate enough to be in a position where, like, we had the best thrower our school's ever seen, the best distance runner our school's ever seen, the best uh, jumpers our school's ever seen, the best, you know, hurdler our school's ever seen, and probably the – the best sort of like what I would call long sprinter from 200, 400 up that our school's ever seen all on the same team, which just, mm-hmm. and when I look at that team and think team that I just had a couple of years ago would have beaten it. It was, it's crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but that dual meet, uh, I, 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 st- I mean, the guys that were all around me that were, were coaching with me still talk about that dual meet because it was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. It came down to the four by four. I will say it that. did. It, it was it was nuts. It came down to it the was four a tight game. Also, um, and the thing that I remember most about that is after that meet, I had coaches that I kind of somewhat knew, uh, either up north or, but like emailing me like, "Hey, what were the marks from that?" Because like they, this is like pre a lot of stuff being put out there, so like people didn't know what all the marks were and obviously people wanted to know our depth and wanted to know Lenape's depth, but I was just like, ah, results are in the paper. A <laughs> <laughs> good old paper. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that was, that was a, a, a very um, highly contested dual meet, you know, had a lot of fireworks and, uh, but I, and, you know, and I, I've I, been on the other side with it. I mean, it, it's funny that, uh, Ruff, that you have me on with, with Gerald and, and Coach Brown because 
I've battled with these guys. <laughs> you know, it's not like I just know them as coaches, but uh, I've had teams that have tried to beat them, and it just like they're just always powerhouses, and uh, it's just pretty awesome. And for me, this is very interesting because I don't know the girl side, and and to hear, and I and I can imagine the meet that the two of you or the three of you have had over the years. Because the three of you do a heck of a job year in and year out and have competitive teams. So that's a very nice thing for the sport of track and field. Coach Richardson, I, I know we're, our time is running out, but right. I, I have one more question if, if I can get Go it right in. Ahead. Go ready. Right Go um, right Coaches, what advice would you have uh, for young coaches? You know, we're running out of time, but maybe you can think of one or two things that you'd like to share with young coaches who might be listening. In Florida, California, or North Jersey. But any advice you might have for young coaches for track and field? Um, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, this. Coach Brown. I'm sorry. You have you have to love the sport, and you have to love your kids because you spend a lot of time away from home. So you have mm-hmm. to enjoy doing this because um, it gets in the way, you know. And a lot of times, as coaches, we are taken away from family events and different things because we have needs. And if we did not love this sport the way that we do and cherish our athletes, it can become a, a hassle or a burden. All right. I guess mm-hmm. my, my word of advice would be just get to know coaches. I, I think mm-hmm. early on in my career I probably, you know, that, that young coach just had that drive of wanting to win and, you know, you viewed teams as your enemy and things like that. But um, these are just people you can learn from. And one thing I've tried to do because – Coach Ruck's always done this with me. Uh, you know, find a young coach that might not know you from a hill of beans and, you know, give him a congratulations or go up and congratulate his girls or guys after a good performance. And uh, you'll strike up a friendship that, uh, that'll, that I, I think, benefit you more than, uh, than you realize. All right. Thank you guys I so agree. much for uh, your closing comments. We're going to – you leave it at that. Uh, well, I've, I've learned a lot already uh, by having you guys on the show, and that's part of the reason why we do it, right, Rock? Is to learn from these coaches yes, sir. Yeah. and um, to help us, you know, if we're still coaching, and, and and also to share the wealth with other coaches as we go along. Uh, this has been a blast. I, I'm glad you guys uh, consented to have them to be on the show, uh, but we'll, we'll promise to get you back on another time. Uh, but before we do close out with Princess, I just want to add to any listeners out there, make sure you come back next week. Uh, we have a special guest um, to continue our celebration with Black History Month, Hall of Famer, 68 Olympian Norm Tate will be on the show next week, and uh, he'll have a lot to say as usual. And uh, we'll bring Princess back in to close the show out. And thank you guys again for being on the show. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you all very much, Coach Brown, Coach Jarvis. This was awesome just to listen to. Um, and continued success to both of you um, for sure. And um, this show will be on iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio tomorrow if you want to listen in. And if you need the link, just let me know. Um, thank you, coaches. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Coach Ruck and Coach Richardson, we'll see you next Sunday um, for one of my favorites, Coach Norm Tate. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So (laughs) we're going to celebrate Black History Month for sure. Everybody have a great week. This has never had it so good. We'll get out of the way here. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m., and we'll see you then.
Thank you. Thank you. Have a good Thank you.